Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Greetings and welcome to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. This is part two of our podcast with Tyler Gibbs and Jack Irving. They oversee the TD2 driver development program at Toyota Racing. If you haven't heard it yet, go download and listen to part one from last week. Received good feedback there about that episode featuring the history and the infrastructure of the program Also, how Gibbs and Irving are managing during the pandemic. In this episode, we'll cover ground on who are some of the up-and-comers in the TD2 program, how Toyota dealt with losing some major talents, such as William Byron, how they handle NASCAR dads and moms, and how they counsel their young drivers about the consequences of what they do and say when they're representing sponsors, and also we talk a little bit about neck tattoos. And a quick clarifier, I should have mentioned this before the last episode, but Tyler Gibbs is not related to Joe Gibbs, who just happens to own Toyota's top NASCAR team. Before we get started, just a reminder, with NASCAR back underway, you should be checking out the NBC on Motorsports YouTube channel for NASCAR America at Home. Lots of good insight from your favorite NASCAR and NBC analysts. We had Jeff Burton, Darren Jr., and Steve Lotart on a NASCAR at Home edition right after the first race at Darlington Raceway. And we also had Tyler Reddick call in as well. So be sure to check out the NBC on Motorsports YouTube channel. Lots of good content there. And now let's get to part two of our conversation with Tyler Gibbs and Jack Irving just after this. I want to give you guys a chance to put some names with some faces here for people who are listening. We've mentioned Christopher Bell. You guys mentioned Harrison Burton. I was reading a Motorsports Analytics story today in which Jack was quoted very highly on Chandler Smith. Just wanted to give you guys a chance to tell us a little bit about who's in the lineup right now and who are the names we should be watching from the Toyota Racing Development Driver Development Program. So it's funny. I think we have some remarkable kids coming up of all different ages, all different ranges, um, it, but it's still development. Like Chandler Smith is is obviously a gifted driver. I mean, and, and we've been with Chandler for three or four years. I, I don't remember how long, but it's been a few years. He's been fantastic. He's always been a strong late model racer, kind of in his family team was was quite gifted um, and able to kind of compete at a very young age with some very high level guys and, 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 and people racing. And then he transferred that into ARCA at Ventrini and, and has been fantastic. And the more he matures, the better he gets. 
which is really exciting. He's similar to like a young Eric Jones in that respect where he's young and been around it and he seems so much older in a car and so much more mature. And so that is translated into the truck races he ran last year. And, and I, I have some pretty high expectations of him as he does of himself, but he's definitely one of our, our kind of up and comers that is on the young side. I mean, he's 17 and, and still developing. And then obviously there's the Raphael Lassards and the Christian Eckeses that we've been with for quite a while. And who I think most people know of because they're in truck races now that we're pretty happy about. And then there's, there's just lots of kids that we actively engage with and develop in all different areas. We're lucky. We're not geographically focused either because we have teams all over the place and that's helped us engage with maybe some kids we probably wouldn't necessarily always get access to so there's some good kids in california there's kids racing for keith in indiana there's just there's just a lot of strong drivers out there the, the thing that's so interesting though is that they're kids and kids you never know what's going to happen so <laughs> it's still development i mean it's it's people want to say whatever they want to say about how what what it takes to make it but they're a work ethic, focus, drive, a passion to want to do it is all super important to, to make it. And at some point, maintaining that from 14, 15, 16, 17 is very, very difficult to do. You know, we can talk about it all the time about being focused and wanting it and all that. But the proof is in Monday through Friday and how hard they're working and what they're doing to, to, to be on top of their game. And and for whatever reason, at times that lapses and, you know, you could take a great kid who's 14. I mean, Jesse Love is a kid we've been with since he was 12, I think, 13. I mean, it's stupid how young that was. Um, <laughs> and he's, we're really excited about him. And, and you know, then there's kids like Gio Seltzi who came out of nowhere in dirt and and had an outlaw program and, and are racing with us in pavement. That's a little bit uh, kind of a different road that he traveled. And then we have... Holly Holland and Gracie Trotter, who've really come aboard and done a really good job and, and kind of in all of our testing have, have looked quite good. Still have a lot of development to do. You know, there's there's kids we lost um, based on Ford coming in that is painful, too. So there's I think there's a lot of good crop of young kids coming out racing. And as long as they all continue to work hard, develop and keep good people around them, then hopefully we'll see them down the road. Yeah, we have a really good group. We have a, a good team of kids. Um, it's exciting to watch them kind of interact with each other, watch the quote unquote older kids who may not actually be older, but have been in higher level than others and, and back and forth. And so, yeah, as Jack said, we're really excited about, uh, about our kids. You mentioned most of the ones I intended to hit there. I mean, Jesse Love, Gio Selzy, I think Logan Seavey, also part of the lineup, I believe. I mean, I so, so Logan, Logan was, yeah, Logan is not as involved now. We still are working through some things to see if there's ways to work together it's just difficult. The, the process is difficult and how everybody fits and where they go. I mean, Logan is ridiculously talented. I mean, it's, it's just finding the path and making it work is always hard. You know, I mean, you look at if it's the McAnally lineup or the Venturini lineup with, I mean, you have Corey Heim and Drew Dollar and, and, and Michael Self, Austin Hills, Rachel H at, at HRE. And, and he's ridiculously good. And, and he's 24 with two kids, for gosh sakes. So, I mean, it, it's awesome, right? I mean, and in, in, in Austin's hugely involved. Max McLaughlin with, with HRE in there. There is an amazing group of kids. And, and what's interesting is we're kind of lucky. We have some really driven, dedicated guy, guys and girls who want to participate and show up every day. And, I mean, that's what's crazy about the Performance Center. A lot of those that we, we talked about, minus the BMR group, they're local to North Carolina. Right. And you get into our dirt kids and our dirt kids are have got to be the youngest dirt kids we've ever had consistently with Dason and Cannon McIntosh and, and Buddy Kofoid. I mean, it's just these 
they're all babies, right? And and so they're and they're out there racing or trying to race eighty times a year. I mean, it's it's just an amazing, amazing situation. But I think we've been very lucky. I mean, and part of it is, I think what we've done is a little bit different, and and our teams have bought in, and that's been a big part of it. That's it goes back to what I said before. The integration of the teams is pretty special, and something I think I'm I'm probably most proud about is that all those teams engage and actively discuss things with each other to try to help develop the drivers. All those dirt guys, is USAC still considered really fertile ground? Is that kind of a primary starting spot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, USAC, for, so for us, there's a, a reason for it. So it's not just, obviously, TRD's roots are dirt racing and in and, 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 and general in the dirt in some form or fashion, if it's with trophy trucks or whatever we were in before. So so there's there's this passion for dirt in general for us. But we make an engine, right, that, that we race in midgets. So that is part of the reason why we're actively involved, at least initially. And then what do you know? It happens to be a really great place to find great drivers and, and different drivers, right? The way they drive a car is different. A dirt driver is completely different than a pavement driver. So we're kind of lucky, I think, to have a hybrid approach that you can find a Chandler Smith who is just a, a pavement driver. And then you can find a Dason Persley or a Cannon McIntosh, who's a dirt driver, and hopefully develop that dirt driver to be a very, very good, hopefully great pavement driver. In my opinion, if you were to put Kyle Busch in a midget, he'd win races down the road. It would take some time, don't get me wrong, and the midget series is ridiculously hard right now. But I think a great driver like him would win and those kind of things. And I think that's why it's important for us when Tyler mentioned range earlier is to have a wide range when you're driving, because if you can race in other vehicles and win, then that, that is a good kind of sign for you should be able to win at the cup level. And, and that is a big thing of transitioning because being able to transition in and out of cars and to be competitive in them in whatever way that is for your series, like to go to a world of outlaws race and win is extremely difficult to do. And you'll see the best of our guys go there, finish top three, top five and win consistently because they are super gifted. And the only way to do that is by competing in those series and to consistently do that. So it's why we're such big fans of it. And we will have a world of outlaw engine next year. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, cool. Good plug, GM. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping the commercial guy do that. <laughs> you mentioned Lassard and Nekas also being part of your program. Obviously, they're in Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks, and you know, you've know you got Burton, Harrison Burton in the JGR Xfinity car. Christopher Bell and Eric Jones, of course, both came through those places. But there's often a talk, I think, about you guys and really just everybody, all the OEMs, about like how do you find more spots uh, as you've got this rapidly burgeoning pipeline that you're trying to keep drivers slotted into what's that like to sort of figure that out and i guess to like put those puzzle pieces together and you know how much agency do you really have over that because i guess that's a lot of that just depends on if teams if a kyle bush motorsports is going to field a truck or jgr is going to field expandy cars how, how do you deal with all of that so that's a good question nate and we get that question all the time i think jack and i have learned not to worry so much about that when you look at the paths of some of these drivers and how they've worked out, the opportunities that they've been given that you just never could have forecast, the opportunities they've missed, again, probably for the better, um, that you just never could have forecast. So at at this point, we're trying to develop the very best talent that we can, and we'll wait for the opportunities to come. People, everybody wants pick a driver. They, they They want Harrison Burton because he's 19 years old, and he's got one more year, and then he'll be then, you know, assuming he races two years in Xfinity, and then he's that 21 years old, he's going to be in Cup and all that. Not everybody's ready to go to Cup when they're 21 years old. I'm not saying that Harrison won't be, but not everyone is ready to go to Cup at 21 years old. Some are at that age and some aren't. And so we'll take the time 
we have some metrics that we all know that we communicate clearly to the kids and we work through that. So in terms of having enough seats um, at the big dance, um, that will work itself out. We're, we're confident in the way that that works, um, that when the time comes, the best drivers that we have from our program will be in our seats. Again, to the best of our ability to control that. The, the, the kids ultimately have decisions in there as well. And we like the relationships we've built and we hope that the relationships we've built and what we've invested in them um, and what they've invested in us continues to uh, to grow as, as we take them forward. But but this goes back to the greater good piece. I think if you're approaching it with just knowing that you're helping the sport and sometimes it's not going to fall your way, but that's okay, then you're okay. But if you yeah. try to, to to map it out, it's you won't. You won't map it out, Nate. You'll quit. <laughs> you won't keep doing it because you know you're going to lose a lot of kids that you love a lot. And 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 you really that that part of it you have to hope that if you have a kid for one year or three years or 10 years that you've done something to help in their lives to make it better and you're hoping that if they go on and win a bunch of titles that you were a small part of it and Toyota was a small part of it and they have a good thought about us. But ultimately it's our jobs as, as stewards of the sport to continue to help the sport grow and become better. And some of that is by working really hard with kids that will leave. Um, and, and again, I would love to give every kid a a, you know, a guarantee that this is what's going to happen if you do these things. But the truth is you can win a whole lot of races and we can't do a whole lot for you at certain times. And there's, and there's no rhyme or reason to why that is. And that's where the fortuitous luck of everything falling to you and kind of opening up when they need to open up happens. And so that does happen differently for every kid. But like, I would have loved to have kept William Byron. We weren't able to keep William Byron. And, but I think both of us have fond memories of each other and have good thoughts about how we participated together. And and that's kind of the, the point was to be there as best we could and, and help along as best we could. And there's a patience piece here from a driver's perspective that is needed more so than at least for us, you know, especially with us having limited, limited cars, that there's a certain amount of trust and patience that has to happen to wait for the opening as well. Right. So there's sometimes if you know that that patience is reasonable and that it's going to happen in a, you know, or at least the opportunity should arise in a certain amount of time, then I think it's easy to kind of get that kind of trust when you really are just looking at each other going, "Ah, yeah, hopefully, Um, (laughs) you know, but there's some honesty from us. We've had honest conversations for how it fits and how it doesn't fit for us. And we're not always right, but at least we're honest about it. And we do our best to give as best counsel as we can, but we also help in whatever way we can, just because you're not in the program or you're not actively in the program doesn't mean that we're not here for you in some form or fashion to see if there's a way we can help you help your career down the road. And some of that just comes down to the future of where things look. I mean, and that's what's so hard about it is that you look down the road and you go, okay, where do you slot and how long until that happens? And here are all the contracts and where are those going to be when you get there? And that's why some of the decisions are what they are. And they're a little bit more nuanced than just what did you do last week? Or did you win that? Or did you win that? I mean, there's, when you get to the higher levels, you have to start dicing it up a little bit differently. And with next gen around the corner, uh, we all know that's going to change the sport significantly. And so at that point, our first up and comer, if you would, you know, it's going to be the Brandon Jones and it's going to be the, the Harrison Burtons. Okay. Those guys probably won't race in cup before next gen. I mean, there's a possibility next year, but the likelihood is it and at that point, none of us could even guess what that what that landscape looks like to try and paint that picture. Wanna make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May twelfth. Find tons of gifts from only thirty dollars at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear 
beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Tyler, the point that Jack's making about Byron, I want to get the Toyota perspective on that. Is there an appreciation from the NASCAR industry or just NASCAR in general? I mean, or other OEMs? I don't know. It just, it, to me, that greater good thing is great, but that's a real magnanimous way of looking at it that just saying, ah, you know, well, we had this guy, William Byron, who might be a future cup champion, but them's the brakes. We just sort of have to write it off as you can't keep everybody. Is there an appreciation for that or is an understanding of that collectively in NASCAR across the industry? I, I don't know if there is, I don't know if there is in NASCAR collectively. I, I think if you you were to ask most anybody who was in NASCAR, is the sport better off because it has Bubba Wallace, because it has Eric Jones, because it has Daniel Suarez, because it has Noah Gragson, because it has Todd Gilliland. I would hope they would all say yes. I don't know. I think from the Toyota side, um, we take a certain amount of pride in having been a part of that journey. Would those people not have made it as far as they had without Toyota? Some of them probably would have made it as far as they have and others probably wouldn't. And so we take pride in that fact. It's great for us to know that if William and Hendrick were ever in a position in which they were going to consider a manufacturer change, William would take a positive view of us, right? He wouldn't be, it wouldn't be negative. Oh, I don't want to go back to those guys. Again, that's just a hypothetical, but it's all of those kinds of things. It's the same thing with Noah. Would Noah like to race for Toyota again someday? Maybe so. I mean, I think we have that kind of relationship with him. I think we have that kind of relationship with Todd and with Bubba. And it's it's a good place for us to be for the future. We are helping the sport broadly. We're not trying to give up cup champions, but again, there are times in which you got to keep the cup champions you have um, and the Daytona 500 champions you have or the ones that might be someday. Um, our, our stable is pretty good and you'd have a hard time kicking out any of the five that we have. I just got a couple more for you guys and they tend to deal with what Jack was stressing earlier about. These are kids. You're dealing with kids. And I heard some references, I think, to what I would call like NASCAR dads, NASCAR moms. I've got the next seven-time champion right here. Why won't you sign my child? And this is sort of interesting because I've heard that some drivers like refer to Jack as, I've heard his nickname is Daddy Jack in some quarters because he kind of plays that parental role. Like These parents kind of hand these kids off to you in some ways. What's that like bearing that responsibility and what's it like dealing with the NASCAR dads and the NASCAR moms? So the good ones, it's great. Um, <laughs> great. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, it's, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, there's, there's part of it where we, we have a weird kind of relationship as a whole. There are some parents who are all in and 100%, uh, you know, rely on you to, to help guide what's going to happen next. And, and we take that extremely seriously and, and how we engage with their kids. And, and, you know, ultimately it's just like my kids. I mean, we, we are, I'm 100% what was best for them. And sometimes what's best for them is not necessarily what's best for Toyota and TRD. And, and that's still, I think we've approached it that way 
the whole time was that there may be advice that we would give that doesn't necessarily help our program but does help the the driver and the driver still needs to make a decision on what's best in in their 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 situation so the biggest issue we run into nate really is is just there are parents who add more pressure to their kids than they know they don't mean to because it comes from a loving place they really do mean it in a good way but the kids have to learn how to drive a car and how to go through the ups and downs. And and by having mom or dad or uncle or cousin or whoever, they're constantly giving advice or asking what's going on or meddling in the team. At some point, there's a, a level that you get to where they need to stay away and let those kids develop because falling down is necessary to building a better a better driver. And so we're not we don't approach this. We never have when we put kids even. The bell thing was probably the only time we ever approached something with such a naive approach that it was kind of ridiculous in the respect of like, well, you got five races, good luck, and then kind of see what happens. For the most part, you get a certain amount of races, and we're just trying to observe how you are and how you develop. And, and again, you start, you're probably here, and we're hoping you're just a little bit higher, and you're, you know, you're getting a little better each time. And then you get to a spot where you really got to start producing, but you got to build that in. And so there's a lot of parents who struggle with that. They, you know, they, and this is me too. I've seen my kid play their best volleyball game, their best soccer game, their best football game. These parents have seen their kid race in perfect races and they expect that to happen every time they race. And it's just not going to, it's not the way that these, that, that people are built typically, unless they're just happen to be that good. And so there's a, there's a transition of them learning how to compete. Then there's the, just dealing with 17 and 18 year old stuff and not going to prom or dating or all that kind of stuff that like it or not affect everybody's abilities and it affects their races. And then are they mature enough to deal with it? Are the parents mature enough to let them go? Like no one is in Bill Belichick's huddle, right? There is no dad going, no, I'm Tom's dad. I'm just going to hang out and see if the coach is doing a good job. Like no one does that. In our sport, it's amazing how many people think that they know more about a car than Keith Coons or they know more <laughs> about a, an ARCA car than Billy Venturini. Like it's just, I, you know, so, so there's some of that. There's also the kind of, unlucky misfortune that happens as a, a in racing right i mean you're you're in a car and something breaks or someone cuts you off or there was a bad pit stop like we assess all of that so from our standpoint i understand what happened in the race that allowed you to win or lose i know that if everybody wrecked in front of you and you drove through it and won a race that's great but i also know that you didn't win the race in the traditional sense you won it at the end of it with the waving flag and you crossed but the other six people wadded it up and turned three, right? So there is a value to that when we're analyzing races. Now, the thing is, is that our racing is extremely expensive. <laughs> so I can kind of understand, especially for the parents who have you know money involved, that this stuff becomes very frustrating. So we're in a very weird situation of that where we get trusted a lot to help make decisions and to, to, to guide. The good thing I think for what we provide is there is no, I have nothing other than what I want for, which is what I want for Toyota and I want for the kid. I just want to win. I want to compete. I want to be competitive. I want them to develop and I want them to win races. We don't make anything off of this. There's no financial compensation that comes to us. I have no ulterior motive other than winning races. So that part of it, I think, I, I really does line us up with the kids very well and with the parents. But once you can kind of navigate to where, and, and, and if you look at this for the most part, the parents who have learned to let go, 
their kids typically are the ones who've who've gone on and they're the ones who continually get better because that that at that point that driver is making the decision i want to race i want to be here i'm the one who does this i'm going to give it everything i got and the parents who've kind of let that happen they've been the most successful the parents who feel the need to drive every moment and to be part of everything and to make sure that that kid knows when they get out out of the car that they're hearing their dad's voice or mom's voice those typically don't make it. My mom always points out to me that I would not be the kind of parent I would like to work with. <laughs> too many soccer games, too many car rides home. My mom knows. And I told her that. She's exactly right. I, I would say that Jack is not so much a parent as when, when these kids are young and they're before they can leave the house, you know, they need to be with their parents and they are. But as these kids begin to get 18, 19 years old, at some point, the parents have to trust them and have to let them be adults. And Jack and, and the other group of people that are in our, in our program are a safe set of adults to be able to do that. They will hold their kids accountable in a very fair way, but they will be real with them as well. That's not acceptable behavior, period. And if that continues, then these are the consequences of it. But at the same time, they're there for the, as Jack said, I know that was a mechanical. I know you should have won that race and the back marker took you out on the last lap. From my perspective, you won that race. Again, you don't have the trophy, but we understand. Um, and again, sometimes the parents can't can't do that. And, and those those parents who who can enjoy it with their kids, but not force their kids, th- those are the those are the best parents. The off the track stuff name that came up at the outset of our conversation here. Obviously, Kyle Larson is remembered as being a Toyota driver at the beginning of his career and moved on to other things and unfortunately had his ride disappear. I'm sure that you could point to all sorts of teachable moments like that throughout NASCAR history. That's a really recent one. How much time do you spend with kids that are in your program and say, look, we're really concerned about how you drive on the racetrack, but you have to understand there's real world consequences for what gets said or done outside the car? There are a few scared straight conversations that typically gets get had um revolve around all kinds of things i think you could imagine that happens in sport but yeah i mean it's it's difficult because you know especially with the kids a lot of these kids don't realize how many people are listening and how many people are are paying attention to everything and how far back people will go to find something so you know We've had kids that were 14 years old and said something mildly inappropriate that suddenly come back in a board meeting and get brought up in a, you know, and did you know that this was said seven years ago when they were 13? Um, so we do a lot of teaching moments with that. Um, actually, Golan does the PR for us. They they help out with putting some things together. We bring in people who, who are specifically geared towards that. We've brought in media people to communicate to the kids even of how to engage in some of that. The hard part, though, real, really, though, Nate, is – you know, obviously there's an appropriate and inappropriate way to communicate, but we also want them to be who they are and try to navigate that. And there is something about being older um, that we lose what I half the words my kids use now, I don't know what they mean. And so what what is considered bad and what isn't considered bad, obviously the obvious ones are definitely talked about. Um, but even, you know, you, you look at the way, you know, some of these kids text and you wonder if they got through sixth grade English, right? But it's just a different way of communicating. So for us, we, we educate as much as we can. Um, we obviously, we, so when Bubba Wallace rage quit and, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious and obviously his sponsor did not, but I only thought it was funny because I, I, I love esports, And so 
rage quitting is a thing that they say. So to hear the announcers on Fox say it was was great. <laughs> Mike Joy saying rage quit. It's Mike Joy, man. Like he's saying rage quit. Like it was awesome. But it, you know, then that then Blue Emu comes out, right? And yeah. and so yeah. I immediately texted eighteen kids on our TD two list and said. Just to be clear, people are watching this. So you may be racing, but if you're putting JBL or Mobile or Toyota on your car, you need to think these things through because I'm sure Bubba did not mean it that way. Like it was just a lot oh, is ridiculous. And like, I get it. Like I, when I played Mike Tyson's punch out, man, I turned off the game all the time. So there's a certain amount of that that I understand, but under a microscope that gets turned into a little bit more. So, so we just, we, we definitely speak to that. There's, there's quite a few emails that come out and texts that come out, mainly texts because a lot of them can't read emails, but mainly <laughs> texts that go out. Well, it's funny. They just don't use Like they're not like old guys. Like yeah. we're all emailing each other and that's just not the way they're communicating. Like so, you said, Instagram, um, that's it, right? Just messaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you DM. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, we literally, we have a private channel to communicate. It's hilarious. Like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of the way it needs to be. But, but a lot of them, it's funny and maybe it's sad, right? But like, they're, they've learned it already. Like, that they've, they've seen it. They've seen it with the kids at school. They've seen it, you know, whatever that, even with them, they're themselves saying something and then suddenly getting, you know, cause even, things that we think are benign, you know, that are, you know, you go out and you do this every day and it's, it is, but for whatever reason in your, in your environment, that's an acceptable way to, to do something. And then you go to Southern California, that's not necessarily. So a lot of them have kind of learned that in a very small way, nothing heavy, but just in kind of going, gosh, why would someone be mad that I was plinking in my backyard at some metal things? Well, and somebody's mad that you're shooting a gun, you know, and it's like, you know, everybody has their thing. So you kind of have to, you can't keep everybody happy in the real sense of the day-to-day parts of it. Obviously, there are some extreme examples like Kyle's that are that, that go over the line, obviously. But for us, a lot of it is just trying to be thoughtful of how would you want to be talked to. And if your grandma was in the room, would you say that with her in the room? If you wouldn't, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. And we do want them to have personality. Jack always teases me because I'm usually the one who wants who wants it to be a little bit more PC. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we do need personality, right? Because our fan base is is diverse. And so we, we need some personality in the mix. And so certainly I'm not condoning what, what Kyle said, but by the same token, we're not asking them all to be exactly the same in this cookie cutter robot kind of way either. We need them to relate to fans and, and build those, those interactions in a, in a healthy and positive way. Neck tattoos, Nate. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for what driver is going to come out, just chat it up. Like I am terrified about this. I am terrified that he says this out loud because somebody is going to do this just because they heard him say it. Listen, this, we're going to have the parents. This is the next seven time. He's even got a neck tattoo for you, Jack. It and says seven Jack's time. going to feel guilty and give him some races because he's got a neck tattoo. Oh man! Listen, Supercross does it. I don't know, like no one in NASCAR, nobody has tattoos. It's if they do, they're hidden. So it's a fair point. It's a fair point. You're right. We got to have these guys show their personalities. That's the way forward. I'm sensing the yin and the yang to the Jack Irving, Tyler Gibbs, good cop, bad cop, sane, insane, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm hoping I get to see this at a racetrack again in the near future. What is the prognosis for Jack Irving and Tyler Gibbs getting back to racetracks? Will we see you in the Carolinas anytime soon? What's the plan? As soon as possible. (laughs) Um, We're under the same restrictions as everybody else. And certainly once those begin to, uh, to open up, we will be back 
as quickly as we can. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Just so different. Hard to get used Crazy times. Crazy times indeed. Hey, we appreciate you guys both giving us so much of your time and your insight. I really enjoyed this conversation. Learned a lot. Thanks again. This was a, a long convo and I appreciate you guys making time in a busy schedule. Absolutely. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Nate. Really fun. Our thanks again to Tyler Gibbs and Jack Irving for giving us a lot of their time to talk driver development in NASCAR. And also thanks to Lisa Hughes-Candy for setting up the conversations. Before we get out of here, this is, of course, normally a big week for auto racing. We do have the Coca-Cola 600 coming up Sunday on Fox. The Indianapolis 500, though, will have to wait until August 23rd on NBC. But this is still race week, in a way, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And NBC will be broadcasting a Back Home Again special Sunday at 2 p.m. Looking back at the thrilling 2019 Indianapolis 500 finish, host Mike Tirico will be joined by winner Simon Pagino and runner-up Alexander Rossi to recall the highlights of that memorable ending at the Brickyard. Should be a good time, so check that out. Replay of the 2019 Indy 500, Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on NBC. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. Please leave a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out in spreading the word. And as always, if you have any feedback, you can send me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.